you for joining us online. We didn't expect that church would be like this. I expected I was going to see your lovely faces, but instead you get to see my lovely face. So uh, thank you for joining us. And I do want to say thank you to all the team that put this together because we've had less than 24-hour notice. To be honest, I was uh, playing golf and I looked at my phone and all of a sudden I saw yesterday morning that we're going to have a lockdown and uh, it's not good to have all those things in your mind when you're trying to finish off a good golf game, but we did all right. So uh, God was good to me. So well done to our team. And uh, isn't it great that no matter what happens, we can just still meet together? You know, I was thinking about it when for so long, we there wouldn't have been anything you could do. You know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, if this happened, what are you going to do? Everyone kind of like get on the phone. I, I just don't know what would have happened. But uh so I just think it's amazing and God is good. Well, what is our theme for this year? I want you to yell it out in your lounge room. It's live. That's right. And today I want to speak about living in fear. Now I prepared this uh, with living without fear. Not living in fear, living without fear. Um, when I, uh, I prepared this message to preach, not knowing that lockdown uh, was going to happen, but isn't it amazing? God knows what's going to happen. And uh, the message actually fits really well for what's going on right now. Fear is a very real thing. Fear grips a lot of people. Now, if you think about it, right now, with COVID-19, with lockdowns, with masks, with vaccines, with daily news conferences, with every opinion about everything on all over our social media, fear is a real factor. Fear is ever-present and a place where many people find themselves living and the climate that we're facing right now actually kind of promotes that. Now, to be honest, sometimes fear is a good thing. I remember many years ago, going fishing off Adelaide. There's a famous place in Adelaide called Glenelg. Probably about seven kilometres out of Glenelg, there's a reef. And it's a, a place where a lot of people go fishing because obviously the fish come around the reef. And it was a particularly hot day. And so what I did is I thought, you know what, I'm going to go swimming. Because uh, So I just uh, got into my shorts and I just jumped off the boat, had a great swim, enjoyed myself, loved it, mightily refreshed, nice and cool, very, very happy. The very next day, a man was actually, uh, not scuba diving, but snorkeling through there. And a great white shark ate him, right? Gone, no longer here, finished. The next day, where I went swimming. Now, I want to tell you, I have never, ever jumped off a boat again, right? If I've been out fishing, I don't care if it's 100 degrees, I am staying in the boat. I am not getting out of the boat. I am staying on the boat. See, fear then was a good thing. But, it, it, so that was a good thing for me. But in our example, we see what fear does. My, my illustration of me joining the world, we see what fear does. It stops you from doing something and it stops you from enjoying the benefit of something. Now, in the case of swimming with sharks, it's probably not a benefit. And But mostly fear affects us in a negative way. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says this, the fear of man lays a snare. And that's what fear is. Fear is a snare. It's a trap. It 
ties you or roots you to a place. You're unable to move forward. You're stopped from doing something or you're stopped from enjoying the benefit of something. And it's why it's such a powerful tool in the hand of the enemy. If you're walking God's way, if you're doing God's will, all the enemy has to do is introduce a fear and you're stopped. You're actually rooted to that spot. You can't move on in the things of God until you've dealt with that fear. And the worst thing is, it doesn't actually need to be a real thing. Just the threat or the possibility of something bad happens intimidates us, stops us in our tracks, and we become ensnared and trapped. The enemy endeavors to intimidate us. Now look at the example that I just used from the scripture. The fear of man is a snare. So how are we ensnared? Well, think about this. This is I just came up with 12 things that the fear of man traps us, stops us, kind of snares us into. We get into a thought pattern of, I'm not liked. I'm not respected. I'm not strong enough. Other people have more control over my life than I have. People don't love me. People might not include me. People might overlook me. I'm not as good. As other people. Other people are more talented or have more giftings and abilities than I have. People talk about me behind my back. People are plotting something against me. There is nothing I can do. See, the fear of man allows those 12 things to start to take root. Like a seed can come in and all of a sudden I'm stopped. Because those thoughts start to come in. I've, I've stopped. I, I can't go forward because I'm trapped into that place. But there's other fears. Fears for our safety. Fears of getting sick. Fear over our families. Fear over our finances. Fear over our workplaces or fear in our schools and, and study places. There are hundreds of fears. When I was preparing for this message, I have a look and there's literally hundreds of different phobias and fears. Some of them are weird. Like look at this one. It's called electorophobia and it's the fear of chickens. And I think I found someone who's got this fear, electrophobia. Let's have a look. That dog has electrophobia. He has a fear of chickens. Right, that's a weird fear. There's another one. There's, this one's called onomatophobia, and it's the fear of names. Now, sometimes in our staff meeting, when I bring out the list of names of church and we talk about the different ones in church, there may be a bit of fear in some of our staff, but having a fear of names. What's your, don't tell me, don't tell me your name, please. Don't tell me, no, no. The fear of beards. Now, with, uh, you know, Pastor Joe, I've been wondering if people have been more scared of you lately. Has anyone got, this is what it's called. If you got a fear of Joe's beard, this is what it is. Pogonophobia. Pogonophobia. Very scary. Fear of beards. There's one. This is, this, is, this is difficult for people. This is nephrophobia. And it's the fear of clouds. 
right? There are people who have a fear of clothes. Oh, my goodness, right? Like, don't come to Queensland in summer, all right? There's lots of clouds, right? And then there's cryophobia, which is a fear of ice. Could you imagine the, the waiter or the waitress just brings you your Coke? Oh, my goodness, it's got ice in it. You know, now, we can laugh at those things, but for the person going through it, that fear is actually real. So we need to be careful that we love someone out of their fear rather than judge them out of their fear. So as I said before, there's so much fear in our society right now. Fear of COVID. Fear of getting the vaccine. Fear of not getting the vaccine. Fear of lockdown. Fear of wearing a mask. Fear of not wearing a mask. That's uncertainty. And our leaders are making decisions based on the fear of what could happen. And to be honest, that's understandable because what if something did happen? So what do you do? How do you cope with fear? Especially when that fear at times could be valid fear. So I want to, this is where I'm, it's kind of like a turn in my message. Because I want to give you what the Word says and I want to give you an illustration and show you something that I believe will help you when it comes to fear. Understanding and really believing that God loves you is the real and only way to overcome any fear that you have. Understanding and really believing that God loves you. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but love casts out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Look at this. It's not God going to, how ridiculous you are to have that fear. I'm bigger than anything you got. You're dumb and you're stupid. That doesn't actually get you out of the fear or the trap that you're in. But actually realizing the care, the protection, the provision and the purpose of his love, that God loves you in his perfect love, that tells fear to go. Let's have a look at our example that we used from before, from Proverbs. The fear of man lays a snare. That's Proverbs 25, 29, 25. But the rest of the verse says this, 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Now, this is a confronting statement. The amount of fear that you have actually demonstrates the lack of understanding of God's love for you that you have. That's a tough statement, I know, but it is true. One of the main reasons that fear is so powerful is its power to paint scenarios in your mind. And those scenarios get progressively worse. This is what's going to happen. I won't ever be able to get out of this. I'll never be happy. They're talking about me and a thousand other statements that fear wants to paint you. You know, when Goliath first went out and shouted his intimidations against the children of Israel, the Bible says that that they were, were, were afraid, that they were dismayed and afraid. But a little while later, when he starts to yell out his threats and intimidation, the Bible says they were terrified and ran away. 
That's why conquering your fears is so important. If you don't take custody of them, you become a prisoner of them and eventually you run away and you're completely isolated. And it's why running into God's love is the only way forward and the only real way to overcome your fear. Now, the world's ways can be effective to some extent. If you listen to psychologists, if you listen to different videos and TED Talks and and those type of things, there are some measures and techniques that will help you. But all they'll do is they'll make you a little bit stronger. So if the fear is actually stronger than you, if the fear that you have actually is something that, that you can't personally deal with, then you've actually got no way. And that's why you need to actually look to someone who is greater than anything that you fear. It's only as you see God. It's only as you accept and believe the love of God for you, who is above any fear of what you're fearing, that you can defeat the fear that you have. It's the only possible way to get rid of fear. Now, I want to illustrate this. So, Nina, could you come? I want to show you how to really overcome fear. Now, here is beautiful Nina, and she is fearful. I'll I'll get out of shot. So she is fearful. Now, what we have is that all of a sudden, we understand that she is God's presence. We understand that she is God's love. We understand that she is God's plan. We understand that she is God's word. And we understand that she is God's power. Now I want you to see this. See, all of a sudden, before Nina was alone, how does she overcome her fear? There is no way. It's only in herself. But as she understands God's love, God's presence, God's words, God's power, God's plan, all of a sudden, whatever she's facing, she's not facing alone. So whatever your fear is today, understand that you're not in this by yourself. That God has a plan. That God has His Word. That God is a powerful God. That God has His presence. And most of all, God loves you. He cares about you. You don't have to face whatever it is that you're going through alone. Come on, let's give our great people a hand. Thank you. The word fear not or do not be afraid occurs many, many times in the Bible. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, fear not, do not be afraid, be of good courage. It's a theme that really recurs again and again through the Word. But this morning, I'd like to use a story from Isaiah to help us. So what I've done is I'm going to put up a scripture and in brackets, I've put the meaning of the person's name. So that will just help us and we're going to just have a look at at what the word says. Okay, so Isaiah 7, 1. In the day of Ahaz has grasped, the son of Jotham, God is perfect, son of Isaiah, God is my strength, king of Judah, Rezan, that's the guy's name, firm, the king of Syria, exalted, and Pekah, open, the son of Ramallah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war on it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. So he's preparing. Right? When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, doubly fruitful, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as trees 
of the forest shake before the wind. So we have Azar, Ahaz, sorry, the king of Judah, and he has the king of Syria and the king of Israel coming against him. And what that does is it brings a fear in him. He's scared and the Bible says his heart begins to shake. So something bad happens to Ahaz. He's now in fear. It's a real fear, not a made up one, not something that he can just kind of dismiss. Come on, get over it, son. No, it's something that's real. It's not something he's just dreamed up. So when you look a little closer at their names, it even becomes a lot more descriptive. Ahaz is the son of Jotham and Uzziah, whose names mean God is perfect and God is my strength. Ahaz's name means his grass. So what we can see is that Ahaz, the one who the fear is coming upon, he is a mature Christian. He's, he has a grasp of the fact that God is perfect and that God is his strength. He knows this. That's a good start. See, we can know that God is our strength. We can know that God is perfect. But every now and again, a fear is going to come. We can, we can know it. We can have grasped it. We can really believe it. But every now and again, something's going to come. Some cry, some intimidation is going to come that's going to make us start to shake. Right? As, oh, this is, this is a big one. Now, Rezin and Pekah come after him. They want to take over Judah. And a shout has gone forth, an intimidation. They're not ready to do it yet. They're not attacking. It's just the threat. It's just the intimidation. It's just what could happen. Not what is happening. What could happen. What most likely is going to happen. An intimidation has been heralded. Fear has been initiated. So we look at their names. And this is what we know is real because fear is real and it has form. And it's firm. It's exalted. Like it's, it's firm. It's like it's not going away. It's exalted. It seems powerful. It's, it's opened up something in our hearts. And what does it say? It's doubly fruitful. It's, it seems like it's just going really fruitful. And that's what fear looks like. We might have grasped that God is perfect. We might have grasped and understand that He's our strength. But every now and again, we're going to go through something that's going to make our heart shake. You know, two months after accepting the role of senior pastor uh, here at our church, here it was back then Albany as Christian Church, now Merge, I was uh, at home and I got a letter. And in this letter, uh, it was from a lawyer and uh, I opened up the letter and this letter said that we had been involved with this deal. It was from a lawyer. It was, it was scary. And, and, and I just said, basically, we owe $1.5 million. We've got to pay it. We've got to pay it now. And if we don't pay it, you're just going to get in trouble and you're going to be bankrupted. Let me tell you, I understand that God is perfect. I understand that God is my strength. But right then, as I read the words of that letter, it seemed firm. It wasn't going to change. Lawyers' letters aren't written in a way you've got a lot of wriggle room, right? It, it was, it was exalted. Oh my goodness, we could, how could, uh, it was, it seemed to be fruitful because from when I first started to when I read it like the 23rd time, right? Like it is, it is just growing, right? And, and something opened up in my spirit. A, a fear started to, to fear and grow into my heart. 
I'll come back to the story of what happened next. We're going to keep reading. And our Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz. You, Shishabab, your son, and at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. Because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, at the fierce anger of Rezin and, Sir, of, and Syria and the son of Ramallah, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramallah has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it. Let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabul as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord. See, God understands that your fear is real. God understands that. It's not made up. And it's not just easy to overcome. When we got that letter, fear came into our hearts. I just said yes to coming on as senior pastors of this church. But if I went bankrupt, I'd have to, with cap in hand, very sh- with great shame, just come to the board and say, sorry, I have to resign. We've just gone bankrupt. I know I said it was coming here, but this circumstance happened that we had no control over. And, you know, we just got to do this. I didn't know what to do. I was going to have to quit my job. I just moved my family over to here to Queensland. Uh, things have been going well. And, and all of a sudden, this, this was real. This wasn't just something, get over it, Mark. And so what happens in this story, God sends Isaiah to the king Ahaz to give him a word, an encouragement to keep on grasping, to hold on to the fact that God is your strength, to hold on to the fact that God is perfect. See, God isn't going to just make you push through. Come on, get on, get on, just push through, push through. You've got to push through, push through. God isn't going to do that. He's going to give you an encouragement. You know, like a sign on the road when we're not really sure if we're on the right road to a destination. When we see that sign, we go, okay, I'm on the right destination. I'm on the right road. That, that kind of fear, that anxiety that was in us kind of immediately lifts. When we get a word from God and we understand that God is in charge, that God is going to do something about it, all of a sudden I can grasp again with some faith, with some strength. God is my strength. God is perfect. I'm not going to be brought down by this. And so what it's saying is get a word. Get a word from God. But then it says how to do this. It says be careful. And when a fear comes, be careful of who and what you listen to. So much of our fears have been stirred and fertilized by social media, by the guy down the road, by the Auntie Mary or whoever it is. Something has fertilized that fear. So be careful of who and what you listen to. Be careful of what scenarios you allow to dictate your thinking. Be careful to seek God for His opinion. Seek God for His opinion. Then it goes on and says, be quiet. Don't get busy and distracted in the what ifs. Don't get busy in the what ifs. Don't get busy in the, in the sense of the certainty of the bad happening. Put yourself in a quiet place where you don't get distracted by all the noise of your fear. 
I would say to you that each one of us, when we go through something that's really fearful, that's the time to go and sit at Jesus' feet. Probably more than any other time. It's always good to do that. But when fear comes, when something's really gripped our spirit, our, our heart is shaking, that's the time. Get alone with God. Put on some worship music. Start to lift your head into the heavens and see that He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Then it says, do not fear. Challenge your fears. Speak to them. Say, no, God loves me. God has a plan for me. God cares for me. Speak and challenge those fears, especially in the love of God. God loves me. God loves me. Don't allow the fear of what could happen dominate the fact that God is in charge no matter what happens. Don't let the fear of what could happen dominate that God is in charge of what happens. And the last one is don't let your heart be faint. Don't give up or give in. Don't allow the firmness of the fear to overwhelm you. Don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed. See, it's it's a little bit like a waterfall. We can get it carried away, but every now and again, if we allow ourselves, we get overwhelmed and we go down that thing. Now, when Nina and I got that letter, we got a word. I I didn't know what to do. I, I was actually scared to show Nina the letter. Right, look, we owe a million and a half dollars through a way and a thing that was just, we didn't know what to do. And so I got a word from God and I did what King Hezekiah did when he got that bad letter from King Sennacherib, which is later on in Isaiah. And who knows whether I'll preach that in a little while. But uh, he actually kind of like preached, uh, he actually got this bad report from King Sennacherib. And he takes the letter and he goes and he lays it before the Lord. He goes in for the temple and goes, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. When I got that letter, I don't know what to do, Nina. I just, there, there is nothing we can do. We, we're completely the victim of this. We are, there's nothing that we can do to make any change about this. But what I did is I laid it before the Lord. And I said, God, give me a word. And God gave me that sense that he was going to be looking after us. And as it turned out, we, we, I found an old email. So keep your emails, right? I found an old email from like 15 years before. And I said, this was the intent of that. Here it is written in that person's own. It was an email from that person, blah, 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 blah. And it went away. But I want to tell you, during that time, we were careful about our speech. We were quiet in giving voice to that fear. We challenged our fear and we determined that we weren't going to lose hard regardless of the circumstance. And we made the peace that even if it did went bad and we did go bankrupt and the worst thing happened, that God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. God still got power. God still loves me. And so I had that extra grasp. And that's what happens. We've already grasped. 
We understand that God is our strength. We understand that God is perfect. But we get that word and all of a sudden I got something to grasp upon. Something I can hold on to again. A fresh word, something that's new. And listen to what happens. This is the word. It shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is risen. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people and the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramela. And then it says these words. This is what I want to finish my message with. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. See, it's the Word of God that I can put my kind of, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, I, I, I can put my weight upon. It's the Word of God. It's, 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 I get a word and all of a sudden this ground, right? It's, it's very interesting. See, the fear was what was firm. These guys are going to come, they're going to take over. That's, that was firm. But once you get a word from God, that becomes shaky. That's what's not going to happen. I've got a word and I can put my faith in it. I can put my weight in that. And all of a sudden, this is what is firm. Maybe the, we can just start to play the piano. So I want to say to you, whatever your fear is, it's not going to get you. You will overcome it will not overcome you. God has got this. God is over it. So even though it's open, it's firm, it's exalted and seemingly fruitful, God is saying, I am more powerful and I love you. I will overcome. Trust me. Live in my love for you. Now look at these last lines. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Faith is always the answer to fear. Faith. Faith in God who is more powerful. Think about that illustration I used before with Nina and those five others. She's not walking by herself. She has all those other things. Whatever it is, one of those things is going to overcome. Faith is the answer to fear. Faith, the assurance of what we hope for. I don't hope for that end. I don't hope for disaster. I hope for that end, what God has said. The evidence of which I can't see. I can't see the answer, but my evidence is the Word of the Lord. I have faith in God's love for me. Faith in God's Word. Faith in God's love. Faith in God's plan. Faith in God's goodness. Faith in God's power. Faith in God's purpose. Faith that even if the worst does happen, God still got this. See, you can't live a life without fear if you're not willing to live by faith. And we are called to walk by faith, not by sight. That's how a Christian walks. So it doesn't matter what news proclamation comes out, doesn't matter what report happens, doesn't matter what letter you get in the letterbox. In the end, God is the designer of your life. He's the planner and the builder of your life. Your life has purpose. Your life isn't an accident. And as we give and as, oh sorry, as we walk in the kingdom, 
as we walk the kingdom, we outwalk and work the plan that God has for us, I just want to say, we can't lose. Yeah, bad things are going to happen. Fearful things will come out and there are shouts. But it's time to put your foundation. So I want to encourage you today. Please, you've got to fear. It's real. It's not made up. I'm not trying to say just get over it because this, this, this is real. Like our fears are real to sit there and just judge you. You should get over that. That's a small thing because it's all different to our hearts. Only its own man's heart knows his sorrow. So I might sit there and go, that's an easy fear. What, what are you talking about? That's like the fear of chickens. Don't be silly. Right? But for you, it's real. There's something that I fear. You go, you're an idiot. Well, that's just a nothing. Right? That's just, that's just a nothing. So let's not judge each other by our fears. So whatever your fear is, it's real. But God is greater. God loves you. He's putting His arms around you. So if you've got that fear, want you to do things. Be careful. Just be careful right now. Then be quiet. Take a step back and actually ask the Lord for a word. Challenge your fear. And don't allow yourself to become overwhelmed. I just want to say as you do that, all of a sudden, these things that were designed to bring you down will be the very thing that you start to walk upon. See, every now and again, it's like the ceiling has tried to crush me. But because you challenged it, because you took an even harder grasp on the fact that God is your strength and that, that God is perfect, because you've done that, that very thing that tried to crush you becomes the floor that you now walk upon. That's what God wants. So don't allow fear. You know, we're called to live this year, 2021, without restrictions. And fear will stop you from living. It'll keep you in that place. So I want to say, please, let's seek God and let's get a word from Him. You know, I, I, I lament for those people who have yet to give your lives to Christ. Where do you go when the fear comes? What do you do? Because in the end, no matter how good you are at self-maintenance and whatever technique that you use, there are some fears that are bigger than anything we can kind of push ourselves through. We can only get through because we know we can hold on to the hand of the God who cares for us and actually loves us and has a plan and a purpose for us. And so if that's you today and you're not a believer, I want to give you this opportunity right now to sit there and say, God, I give you my fears. Look to Him who made you, who has a plan and a purpose for you. And if you're sensing something in your spirit right now, maybe just get onto emergechurch.life in just a moment or just ring one of your Christian friends and they would love to come and pray for you. And let me tell you, once you see that you've got God's presence in your life, as I said before, it's a resource. What happens, you'll see, hey, I'm not alone in this. I am not alone. I'm not alone. I'm going to pray right now. I want to pray for everyone who is facing something fearful. You know, as I said, it doesn't need to be something big. It just needs to be something you fear. You know, that when, when I was praying this morning, I sensed that there was a, some people, you just have an overarching sense of fear. You can't even put your finger on it. It's not like, well, I fear that. I, I just fear that. I, I, it's, 
there's just this overarching sense of fear. And I want to tell you, it's the enemy trying to stop you living the life that God has planned for you. And I'm going to pray against that because that's not the will of God for your life. That is not the will of God for your life. And I'm not judging you today, but I'm going to pray that the presence of God comes upon you so heavily that you're almost forced to look up and not see any of those fears anymore. So I'm going to pray. Father, I come against every fear and every anxiety. <coughs> Father, I pray right now, anything that is ruling us instead of us ruling over it, O oh Lord. Father, whether it be a fear about our future, whether it be a fear for our safety, whether it be a fear over health, whether it be a fear around relationship, around family, around finance, or oh God, Father, those who, who fear the worst for their children right now, Father, I pray against each one of those fears, O oh Lord. I pray, O oh Lord, that the love of God, the presence of God, and the Word of God would do His things and, and bring certainty, O oh Lord. Bring a firmness of faith. Father, for those who have that overarching sense, where it's just with them all the way, Father, I speak. I speak over their lives that their sleep would be sweet. I, I, I speak over their lives that their heart rate would come back to normal, Lord God. Father, I, I pray that they'd be able to engage in some things that they've kind of drawn away from, Lord God. Father, I speak against that fear right now in the name of Jesus. Let a genuine sense of faith in your goodness and in your love. Father, let the love of God reach down into them right now. Let the love of Jesus. He really does care. He really loves you. Someone watching this morning, you, you understand, but you don't feel like God likes you. You feel like He only interacts because He kind of has to. It's like His job. I want to say God likes you. His love is, isn't just, i got to love you. No, it's real. You know, I, I love my children. I, I don't actually have to stir it up. Oh, God, let me stir up my love for Jack. Let me stir up my love for Rachel. No, I love them. I love them. I, I like them. That's how God is looking at you this morning. He likes you. Stop feeling like you've done something bad enough or, or that He doesn't like you, that your personality doesn't fit, that there's other people that He likes more. God has no favorites. He likes you. He loves you. You really need to understand that. You need to understand that. God cares for you. That's the great thing about New Testament Christianity. It's not about the church. It's not about an organization. It's about each individual coming to Jesus and relating with Jesus. He loves you this morning. He loves you. That fear, that fear, let it be gone. Let it be gone. Father, I sense as there's someone who's just had like a cloud over their life, oh God. I rebuke that. Father, Lord, let the Son, let the Son, the Son of God reign. I rebuke that cloud. I come against it. Live free. 
Live free. Live free in Jesus' Name. Enough is enough. Enemy, leave that person alone. Oh, you're going to have the best week you've had in years this week. I prophesy that over you. I speak that to you right now. You are going to have the best week you've had in years. Because you're going to be free. You know, every now and again, I, I, I love animal videos. Right? I watch a lot of animal videos. And every now and again, in America, they have these things called bobcats. And they have little snares to catch things. But a lot of times these bobcats get caught in these snares. And then someone tries to rescue them. They fight. They don't. But like when they get released from those snares, there's just this freedom. And that's what I see. Some of you have got a bobcat spirit. And let me tell you, bobcats are, are they're serious cats. They're like, if you do a study on bobcats, those things don't get them mad. All right? They, they are just serious, serious animals. All right? But what happens? They're trapped. God has a bobcat life for you, but you've been trapped. But this morning, it's set free. Go live the life that God has destined you. Go live the life.